goodness gracious me Liam Liam Gallagher won Western States, sir. Liam Gallagher absolutely smashed Western State. Ian Brown coming over the line in 14 and a half hours. If Jim Wormsley did Spike Island, do you think anyone knows what we're talking about, Daz? Bucket hats and Jim Wormsley. Bucket hats. We're talking about real trends. We're not talking about just winning races. We're talking about setting global fashion trends. We're talking about the bucket hat, aren't we, Daz? The bucket hat. Are we going to get some Camino bucket hats and put it on the website? Mate, the order's already gone in. We are going to be riding the front of this trend. Are we, are we going to run Spartathlon? We could run Spartathlon in bucket hats, couldn't we? Mate, it 100% is going to happen. We need to be very clear about something, though, Daz, yeah? So uh, did you watch the truly dreadful England-Germany game? Uh, it, it was dreadful until we, until you scored, wasn't it? <laughs> then it got better. We, even, even when we scored. It, anyway, let's forget, forget about the football. The, the point being that they kept turning to the few A-list celebrities in the crowd, yes? Yeah? So you had Prince Harry. Yeah. Uh, no, William. William. You, you had yeah. Beckham. You had Sheeran. And you had Rob Beckett. <laughs> Rob Beckett? So Rob Beckett is the guy with the teeth that does all the panel shows, yeah? And what's what's well, really... Like imp- sort of Freddie Mercury kind of teeth there. He's like Freddie Mercury does bad Essex gags. But what's really okay. important is that he was wearing a bucket hat, but you can wear bucket hats that are too small. The majority of the people, they're like slightly... But Jim Wormsley, it was, it was like a spacer, wasn't it? Like one of those <laughs> old um, things you used to stick in your mouth and it would set off little uh, cosmic... Snap, and pop. Snap, crackle, and pop. So when we're talking about bucket hats, it's got to be the Wormsley Manchester hat and not the Beckett, just to be clear. Yeah, the Beckett one sounds quite poxy, if you ask me. We don't do poxy. I mean, Wormsley looked cool, didn't he? Oh, my God, he looks so cool. The guy Uh, is just outrageous. He won by four days, didn't he? God, yeah. You think, I think he was, yeah, he was, he was over an hour ahead a second, I think. Yeah, yeah. Or roughly, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he smashed it again, third time, third time in a row. I mean, it's oh, going to have to wait until I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to beat him when I mate, run Western States. I think what you're going to do, because after today's podcast, you're going to, you're going to channel some of that major positive software relinking stuff aren't you Daz? it's all about the mental side yeah. you've got the physical side you've got i saw that round at clissold park today <laughs> <laughs> you've got... oh, well, all that elevation in clissold park yeah <laughs> nailed it that bit's easy everyone knows how to do that stuff it's all about um... the bucket hat and the software oh mate i'm 100 yeah i mean i've got five years to work on it before i go and beat jim so it's all good when you yeah. we said we said on last week's podcast that you've got 23 years of western state stage tickets to come in now if warmsley was the coolest kid on the block surely yeah. beth beth pascal, oh, you know what beth pascal. oh my god what a run amazing what? yeah truly run. sensational 17 something wasn't it did she break the ladies course record i'm not sure we should i know think that, second um, wasn't it second best time all time right yeah yeah um yeah just amazing fantastic to see a see a brit win that absolutely huge yeah she absolutely smashed it didn't she i just love it when you see i mean i followed that race prolifically and she never in doubt Totally looked amazing at all the checkpoints. Plenty of really fun banter about, you know, the bit where Western States copies the Lee Valley 50K and they're going through the flooded underpass bit, yeah? Beth looked pretty amazing at the old river crossing. Uh, is that where they go across in a boat or are they able to... They've... It's your ridiculous long rope idea, Daz, that you were going to send me out to B&Q to find... <laughs> Two fifty meters of rope <laughs> to get people across the Welling underpass, <laughs> oh. aka Western States. 
I, I was thinking about all sorts of stuff that night. I thought, I thought we could we could get the runners to build a raft to get themselves. To... <laughs> oh, who have we got on today, mate? Mate, we've got the Canal King. There is only one Canal King, isn't there? The Canal King. Yeah. Paul Alley. Paul Alley. I really did wish that we could have got Paul Alley just to have appeared halfway in, resurrected from the dead. That would have been very special, but unfortunately, we couldn't quite organise it. But we've got the real Canal King. We've got Alex, Alex Verity on the podcast today, mate. And again, it was a really special podcast because Alex has been quite prolific. So I, I was thinking like, you know, he was another rising star candidate, but but he's been actually bashing out a lot of ultras since the early two, 2010s, isn't he? 2012, 13, 14, he was picking up the running and doing ultras. And yeah, he's had how many uh, canal yeah. wins on the bounce, Daz? Four, four, four on the trot. Yeah, he's um, yeah, incredible. Yeah, and he's he's been he's been in a class of his own on the on the canal races for uh, uh, for quite some time actually. Yeah, really impressive stuff. And uh, yeah, he's a great great fellow and great great to chat with. Um, and, so, and Daz, uh, you're going to be with him this weekend when this podcast goes live. You're going to be with the Canal King, aren't you? Where are you going to be? Oh, I'm going to be with so many great runners this weekend. It's going to be amazing to watch. I will be at the Crawley 24 Hour Race, the legendary uh, Pam Story. Crawley 24 hour. Yeah, I'm going to be, I'm not running, I'm going to be crewing a combination of our dear Bryn, Bryn Jones, um, famous Mr. Ian Hammy Hammett, who is going for, I think it's Hammy's first 24 hour track race, but um, yeah, there's a, there's a stellar, stellar field, some some big, big, big UK names in there that I'm sure will we'll have a right old ding dong with each other. Um, so it's going to be exciting, mate. Got a yeah, little demo car on there. Any tie techs? Demo, yeah, demo cars running. Uh, Alex, obviously, today's guest. Uh, Paul Beachy. Beachy. Good to see him back in action after yeah. I think he's had, Beachy's had some some knee trouble over the past couple of years. Obviously, Hammy um, could do big things. Uh, I'm sure there's lots of others that I haven't mentioned. Um, but yeah, fascinating. It's going to be really good. It's going to be amazing, <laughs> mate. <laughs> Let's get him on, yeah? Let's get him on. Let's get him on. Uh, welcome to episode 13, Lucky unlucky 13. 13, of the Legends of Running Endurance podcast, the Canal King, Alexander Warrissey. The Canal King! Boom. <laughs> Hello boys, you alright? This is like the ultra equivalent of Netflix's Tiger King. <laughs> <laughs> how, what, how so? Because what, I'm going to kill Carol Baskin? <laughs> I think you did kill that man. buddy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, really good, really good. Um, sporting my new prison break hairstyle and getting used to not a lot of sleep at night with little Byron who joined us uh, 10 weeks ago. So, yeah, all good. What about yourselves, lads? Yeah, mate, very, very good, mate. Congratulations again. No, it's been said on social media, but yeah, mate, how's adjustments in life, Alex, with little Byron? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm used to being weed on, which is uh, which is a new one for me. <laughs> Only used to doing that on myself in ultras. So yeah, it's uh, it's a new one. Yeah, Wendy's brilliant mum as always. She's she's just basically bossing me about. So it's kind of like how she coaches me. Really, do this, do that. I'm like, okay, okay, yeah, you're generally right. So yeah, it's, he's acclimatized really well. We're just very blessed to have the little little thing, really. But no, he's lovely. And uh, yeah, thanks for all the lovely messages on social media. And yeah, he's, uh, yeah, he's, he's fun. Alex, I was checking out your uh, some of your running stats. I was amazed to learn that you're the second fastest person in your, so second fastest man in your postcode. Um, I, I, I assumed you'd be the fastest man in your postcode. Who's, who's the fastest man? Is his name, uh, does it begin with a Paul? Well, I don't know. I, I can't. I can't see. It's on. It's on runwrittenrankings.com, and it just oh, says that. Oh, I yeah. must be behind the famous my tr- famous training partner Rob Corney. Uh, Rob oh. Corney, who runs the two nineteen marathon. Yeah, I'm not quite at that mm. yet. So, uh, yeah, he's he's trying to train me up, but he, bless him, he's not. He's injured at the moment. I have this habit of going out running with people, and they end up injured. So, uh, stay away from me on the track on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant! Wow, two nineteen marathon—that's pretty sensational. Please. Can you see that you're not even the fastest person on your street on that website, Daz? Mate, I'm, I'm probably <laughs> about the hundredth 
person on the street or something. Yeah, I think there's cats that are faster than me on my street. Um, <laughs> but I, looking at yeah, it's interesting looking back at your at your running career, Alex. So um, we obviously know you from from the ultra world, but I I think I'd say I've seen some stuff on social media in the past. I hadn't don't think I'd fully grasped just just how pacey a marathon runner you've been. Um, I think in sort of 2019, you uh, you ran a 2:35, which is uh, yeah, moving. It's moving. Yeah, it's those speedy shoes I had, Baz. Those vapor flies. They supposedly give you four percent. But no, I'd um, I made quite a lot of life changes, boys. At the end of 2018, I um decided to quit drinking completely, which just was a lifestyle choice. Just wanted to see if it impact on my you know running, see what it did, and actually, yeah, I got a good build up to London. Just doing a lot more like pointed work, speed work, and on the day I just felt good. And mentally, yeah. you know, if you feel good, you'll just go with the flow. And yeah, everything just clicked into place. Um, I've done a good prep in the uh, lead. I've done a couple of hilly marathons as well, just to kind of build the leg strength on that too. Yeah, um, was that was that a shock to you? Just how much of a leap you made there? Uh, kind of. I mean, I, I thought sub two forty five was in my grasp, but then. You know what it is like on the day? I mean, I'll talk about GUCR this year later. I just felt like the freaking Terminator. And I was like, I'm just going to keep going and keep going until this <laughs> gives up. But I'm very mentally strong now. And um, there's times when I'm not, like at Gloucester, which we spent time together. And I'm happy to talk about that as well, because I think it's important to talk about the times which haven't gone so well. But on that day in London, it's just everything was in flow. And it was just, this is great. And I mean, I think I ran 5.32 for the last mile of that race. And just as you know, coming down Birch Cage Walk and then like past the Houses of Parliament, it's just it's just a beautiful sight. And, you know, pre-COVID, yeah. all the people and it just drives you on. And I, I kind of went past Ben Parks as well. And I could see him with his GoPro. It's like, I've got to beat the guy with the GoPro. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, no, it was great. And I have a very positive attitude to it. So, you know, I was just blessed on that day. And yeah, I just take that into everything I do, really. Alex, when I was thinking about sort of the billing of, of this podcast, you know, I was, I was definitely going to classify you in the sort of rising stars category for, for all the good reasons, you know, and, and we will definitely talk about, you know. You your... can't do that. He's a superstar. He's, well, he's this, is canal the thing. King. this is the thing. I just really, you know, you've been sort of doing, a, you've done a lot of ultras, first of all, haven't you, Alex? And you've been, you started in 2014. Mm. I mean, what was it like? In those early days, buddy, those first couple of years, I mean, you know, did you have a sort of different mental attitude to the races? Were you doing it for different reasons? Yeah, I mean, when, when I first started running boys in 2010, it, sorry, 2012, it was because of a life event which happened in 2010. I mean, I mainly started because I was in a really bad place mentally in my life. Um, my, my brother had passed away in 2010. And I, if I'm being perfectly honest with you, for a couple of years there, I was just very depressed and didn't know how to cope and was blaming a lot of people for what happened. And for me, I think I just needed something. And the Reading Half Marathon happened in 2013, which kind of led me into the world of running and the community of running. And from that, I met the ultra community did my Thames trot in 2014 and for me it was just like why haven't I done this before it's you know it's community it's love it's and you just find out so much about yourself but to go back to your, your question I think in the earlier days I was just doing it for fun and I entered the Thames trot and I was like there was 20 people from my running club who did it and I was the first finisher from my club which I thought that's great and you know, from that, I just went and did races for fun. And I don't think it was till about 2015, 16, when I met Paul Beachy and he became a bit of a mentor to me, that I realised, you know, I'm actually all right at this. And if I actually start thinking about this, I could be, I could be okay. And that's kind of what changed when I did my first kind of 100 miler in 2015, when I thought, you know what, this is, this is a game I could do. But it took a few years and a lot of Wendy cajoling, but yeah. But the early days were just for fun, really. <laughs> I've never heard the phrase beachy and mentor in the same yeah. sentence before, buddy. Yeah, I mean, I've heard stories of uh, beachy at um, Sparta and uh, his, uh, <laughs> his, his fun antics. But no, he in, in the early days of my ultra career, Paul Beachy was a massive mentor and still is a very, like, 
I'd say in my running life has been a very important person just because of his stoicism that he is like <laughs> I like a robot and he will just keep going and uh, that's kind of what I think about now he uh, you know that kind of attitude of keep going even when it's tough so we've certainly got a few beachy stories up our sleeves haven't we dads yeah but yeah we, wow. it's not that oh boys yet is it <laughs> <laughs> no it's not that kind of room unfortunately no. so yeah um alex you mentioned earlier that you sort of established some kind of sort of lifestyle changes in sort of 20, mm. 2018 and i think that kind of like that really sort of showed up and started paying dividends didn't it in like you had that well i mean i think you were let me get this right so at the tail end of sort of 2018 you came second in the, the leeds leeds and liverpool canal mm. race um yeah. but then in 2019 you um you had that amazing set of performances. Just before we talk about that, actually, I want <laughs> I want to sort of jointly with you guys introduce to the listeners the concept of canal races, because I don't think everyone will know what these things are, right? Yeah, to any listeners who, who don't know what the hell we're talking about when we talk about a canal race, is basically an extremely kind of, it feels to me like an extremely British kind of ultra, right? Yeah. It's quite unique. It's basically running between two cities, usually two, well, always two pretty big cities, along a fairly major canal, which is basically like Britain's equivalent, original equivalent of a railway line, right? But now it's just kind of essentially open to nature and there's boats and there's ducks and there's geese and whatever. Um, but these things are really, really quite long. And they are, I would say, they are mentally very, very, very hard races because of the amount of canal that you can just see stretching off into the distance, right? Um, incredible races, extremely quirky. Um, there's age stations every, what, 20 miles, maybe? 15 to 20. Um, the, the Springwell one at GUCR is about 22. So, yeah, that, yeah. that's quite a big one, especially from 100 miles in the race. Yes, it's quite I mean, a long They're way. not very frequent, are they? Those, those age stations are quite, quite a long way apart. And you see, you see a lot of runners just um, miscalculating big time, um, trying to get in between the age stations and all kinds of shenanigans happening. Um, anyway, yeah, those are our British um, canal ultra races. And um, from I think from an international perspective, we don't get very many international runners there. But when people do come over, it's wonderful, isn't it? You know, you get the little German or... Uh, I know there was an, an American entered in GUCR this year. I don't think she made it. Um, mm. But yeah, so Alex, you've subsequently, um, since uh, coming second in Leeds and Liverpool Canal Race in 2018, you've subsequently won four on the bounce, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's because you've not turned up, Das. That's why. It's because <laughs> we, we broke you, at, me and Wendy broke you at KACR. No, no. I'm, you, you absolutely did. You, you absolutely no. did. But um, but yeah, you then you went on to win GUCR, which is the biggest one um, in terms of number of runners uh, in twenty five oh eight in twenty nineteen, which is amazing. Yeah. And that, that would you say that was a sort of a big break? It felt to me like that was a big breakthrough performance for you. I think that was I think that was the day when it all came together a little bit. I've been working behind the scenes mentally for quite a while in terms of belief. And I know it's such a silly word, but I use it in teaching a lot. That If you don't believe in yourself, it's very difficult to go out there and execute a plan. And I'd spoken to Wendy beforehand and I'd said that I can podium today. I can, I've looked at the field, I could podium. And because Nathan, Nathan Flair, obviously a fantastic runner, was in the race. And I just thought, if I can stick with Nathan, I'll be all right. And kind of luckily for me, I suppose, on the day, Nathan didn't have the greatest day. And had some issues and then ended up pulling from the race. But I, because I, I remember seeing you both out on the course and seeing you, Daz, at 70 miles with my pot of noodle in hand. And you kind of said right, to me, yeah. how are you doing? And I was like, I'm feeling really good. And I'll always remember, I spoke to Ali Young at the start, who you've had on the podcast, and she asked me, how are you feeling? And I just went ready. And I just felt really ready mentally, physically to take it on. And, and on that day, it went really well. Obviously, four or five weeks ago, it went even better, but... It, I think it is about that mental toughness and that's something I've been trying to build up and not every race will go brilliantly, but you have to learn from each race and take something from it. So on Saturday, for example, when I take on Crawley, there isn't going to be any alley death marching overnight. It's going to be a, it's going to be a long, 
hard slog and we've just got to keep that mind going and run like David Bone at the end of a 24 hour, not uh, do what I did at Gloucester. Yeah, yeah, get on on Damo Carr's shoulder on Saturday. I think so. But yeah, that was the breakout performance. But I think as we see in kind of sport and you're seeing it with England at the moment, one kind of performance builds after another. And that's what I'm trying to do at the moment is I'm very kind of cheesy. I like using things. So I'm a big Eminem fan and I love his song Legacy. I think it's a fantastic song. And I just thought to myself, this is the day we start building a legacy. And I don't know how long the legacy will be but let's start it today. Yeah. And then from there went KSCR and LLCR and yeah, GSCR this year. And, you know, COVID's not given me, oh, well, there's all the opportunities to go out and run, but yeah, yeah, I just would hope to keep doing what we're doing really. Alex, are there sort of specific things that you've looked at yourself? I mean, when you talk about the mental side of things, mm. I can think about something that Shane Benzie talks about, which is like um, running software, yeah actually that we're programming ourselves to be good runners we we know we're not programming ourselves to be high jumpers or javelin and and actually the more you can think about it in a certain way in terms of your you know what your strengths are what you're good at almost to the point alex where he might say that you know if you if you use a distraction technique like music or something or other you potentially might switch off from doing all the good things. So have you sort of taken it to any of those sort of levels, Alex, in terms of kind of thought process and sort of tips and techniques that you've used for yeah. long events? Yeah, so I've read quite a few good books. I mean, Alex Hutchinson's uh, Endure is really good in terms of this central governor system. I was actually talking to Wendy and Dylan about it before I came on, this idea that, you know, you put a governor on yourself to stop the car going so quickly because... Your brain is going, you can't, you can't. Obviously, you, you've been going for, what, 20 hours or so, and your brain needs to break. But you have to try and take that governor system off. So that's something I definitely work on. Um, I, Sorry to plug another podcast on your podcast, but I absolutely <laughs> love the Don't Tell Me the Score podcast. And they had uh, Clive Woodward on speaking about his teacup theory, this idea of thinking correctly under pressure. So what I did before GUCR was wrote down loads of things that could go wrong and actions that I would take in that situation if I was feeling so for example sickness what might I do if my head went if I got tired if I had a foot injury just you know anything because for me I'm, I'm trying to find those marginal gains now I, I know when I turn up at the start of these ultras without sounding arrogant I'm going to be one of the top three fittest people there I know my training I know myself but for me it's about keeping that head in gear and making sure that I keep pushing that and keeping that, because if that falls apart, the head, the body ain't going to go with you. So, yeah, that for me is a big thing. And also there's a really good coach called Dave Alred, who coached uh, Johnny Wilkinson, and he does a lot of stuff on no limits mentality, this idea of pushing yourself. And, yeah, just listening to what Wendy tells me about fueling, just fuel early and just don't go too quick. (laughs) You know, as we all do, you know, I, I, I thought I was David Radisha back in the day, I think, when I was entering these 50 <laughs> miles, hundreds. I thought, yeah, I'll get it done. I'll go out at the front. And it's not about being Radisha. It's sometimes about, you know, being that tortoise, you know, coming from behind. So, yeah. Going back to your your point, Alex, about, you know, knowing your your training, are there sort of certain things that you have adjusted in these last couple of years? I mean, I guess an obvious one would be uh, mileage, wouldn't it? Uh, loads you know understanding where your sort of thresholds are and what works yeah. best for you, whether it's high or you know are there certain things that just just have worked better for you and that you've made changes on yeah I mean I'm, I'm not a purveyor of the 100 mile week I'm not saying I don't do them because if you look at my Strava data last year I probably did more than I've ever done I think that was more COVID-itis of wanting to get out and do it but for me I'm very much someone who goes on feel I, I love a good interval session. Like when I go out with Rob, who I mentioned earlier, yeah, they're, they're, they're tough. But I, I love the feeling of a tough session and that kind of cathartic experience of, yeah, because it is process, you know, and any good runner will tell you that if you're going to be good, it's not about, oh, my God, I want to run 250 kilometres on Saturday. It's what have I done before to get there? Yeah. And that for me is a huge part of my makeup is what have I done 
So for me, the intervals, but also running with people. And I know you guys run together all the time. You've got your massive unit. I know, uh, see it all online. You guys do a brilliant job. And just going out with different people. But the funny thing is now, it's, it's quite funny that people don't want to run with me anymore. And it's, and it's, like, it, it's like I had started this running group at work. And when they heard about all the canal races, they've all like backed off. It's like, oh, I, don't, I don't want to. But no, I've got a really good uh, running crew in Reading with uh, Paul's and uh, my mate Phil, who's coming out to crew on Saturday as well. So, yeah, I, I think it's really important you have a balanced perspective to what you do. And that everything isn't junk. I mean, don't get me wrong, I do do junk, but there has to be some purpose to that training because otherwise it's just the volume week for volume week's sake. And I don't think that gets anyone anywhere. How do you keep on improving then, Alex? I mean, I mean, are there certain things you think you haven't tried yet? Well, the Danny Hawkins, who finished second to me at GCR, who Wendy trains, is um, a big purveyor of the core work. And uh like Wendy now getting back into the training, she's bought a load of kettlebells downstairs. So I'll, I'll probably have a go on a few of those, to be honest, just to try and work out the guns. But yeah, I'd say a bit, I'm, I'm, I'm awful. At, I've been saying for five years, I should go out and do more hill work. But living in Reading, I don't have massive amount of hills. But yeah, I'd say more hill work. And when Rob's back fit again, just going out and doing those hard interval sessions. Because I think after Crawley Saturday, the next goal is sub 230 marathon. That's got to be it. I think that's got to be the next goal. And uh, yeah, we'll see what happens there. What are the aims for Crawley, Alex? Yeah, I think it's going to be fun. And <laughs> I think you know, we've, we've got to play the game, haven't we? And we've, yeah. got to, we've got to go out and we've got to look like David Bone at the end. Because I mean this, David, I'm not blowing smoke at you. The, the way you ran at the end of Gloucester was like this majestic swan kind of running through that rain. And I know you sent me that picture of me with my hood up looking like E.T. And <laughs> it, it, it was, David. And I think that's how I want to run at the end is strong. So like I did at GUCR, which I'll, I can talk about in a little bit, the last 50 miles of that race, it's about being ready to run at 100 miles because what went wrong at Gloucester for me, and this is where it works for me, is that I didn't reset. And I know that. Yeah. And it's about hitting that override button. 100 miles isn't a big deal in inverted commas anymore. We've got to keep it going. Yeah. And that's and that's what Saturday is about. It's getting to that 100, hitting the switch, and it's race two. Yeah. If I'm hearing you right, Alex, what you're saying is it's a combination of the first... 16 18 hours of you and the last 20 minutes of me yeah is oh the... david yeah yeah with that majestic <laughs> those majestic locks. <laughs> I, I, still, I still remember saying to you at albie keep going gorgeous and like people were looking at me like are, are you two together i was like no 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 my wife's been around in a minute so yeah you kept feeding me wrong information alex <laughs> no, no, no. I, t I told you. the. Did you get your Sparta qualifier? Yeah, yes yeah, or no? I did, yeah. You, you did. You did. So, yeah, I was, I was giving you right information at the right time. So, yeah. You did a great job, my friend. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a tricky one in that 24-hour format, isn't it? Because everybody goes, oh, well done. You just passed 100 miles. And it's like, yeah, don't, don't, you don't even want to know that, do you? Because it's such a sort of nice number. And it's, yeah, like you say, it's so easy to to focus on it and then realize you still got x number of hours left mm. and to to keep yourself kind of being arsed about those however many hours you've got left just yeah it's just sort of mental pressure that you that you don't really need um no. so um yeah i mean i guess that's what that uh, don't tell me the score idea is is about is it yeah it's um, about sport being a metaphor for life and i i uh, highly yeah. it's it's so each week they get a different guest on who talks about an aspect of sports. So, for example, Stephen Hendry talked about domination and he spoke about when he dominated Jimmy White in the 90s. And they're asking him, did you feel guilty about it? And he was like, no, because I won. And, you know, that's what winners do. And I, 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 I think, well, I know I'm a very selfless person in my life as a teacher and with my family on that. But there is, I think, to, to be a winner. And I think if that's going to continue, there needs to be a little bit of selfishness in you because you yeah. need to be able to push yourself a little bit. And I think it's okay to be a little bit selfish because there's a lot of bad things, you know, happened in the world and happened in my life. And, you know, I'm going to do something for me. And I think that's, I think that's good. Yeah. I think we need to do things for us. And, you know, I give back a lot to the running community. So if on that day, 
I can, you know, get that extra, then brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's one of the great things about the sport that we do as well, isn't it? Is that like if we're like on a on a canal race, you don't really see any anyone else anyway. So you're effectively running a time trial, and and on one of those twenty four hour track races, mm. you're kind of like, yeah, you know, yeah, everybody's competitive. You, well, you you two more so than me, um, <laughs> but but everybody's there to do to do what they can do as a as a as a kind of personal kind of thing. And there's that great sort of vibe between. Like, I love those track races because you keep seeing people all the time. It's very yeah. social and everybody's trying to hit a number and some people do and some people don't. It's just most of all, it's a great, great banter and, and great, great fun at those things. So yeah, it'd be, I'm really looking forward to seeing how all of you get on on mm. Saturday. There's some great, great runners in that field. No David Bone, of course. But, um, yeah, why is that, David Bone? Why are you not there? Have you got a haircut booked or something? What's going on? Maybe I'll have a last-minute entry, Alex, just to uh, spice things up again. You know, well, yeah. could be. That's going, going back to a point you actually made there about um, kind of the last kind of bit of a race. I think that that's kind of how I used the last 50 miles of GCR this year. It, it was kind of like a time attack. And I kind yeah. of, it was almost like that Super Mario, that kind of last lap of what could we do here? And that's something that I do with racing now, especially, I know you spoke with Martin a couple of weeks ago about his um, FKT, which was brilliant, by the way, breaking the race down. So a lot of people, when I tell them, oh, the GUCR is 145 miles, they'll go, well, that's a freaking long way. <laughs> How do you run yeah. that? And I go, well, I break it into two races. It's a 95 mile race and a 50 mile race. So the 95 mile race is this and then the 50 mile race is that. And uh, it just makes it easier. And I, I ran the last 50 miles of GCR just under eight hours, which I was, you know, I was That's really amazing. happy with because I've been saying for years, I want to run at 100 and I want to really be able to mentally test it. And that was the day. And I just, you know, put my uh, put my music on. I had great buddy support with Simon Pivirch and uh, Tom. And yeah. It is really just can you do it and can you keep going? And yeah, that, that's why the track format is really fascinating because you see someone every 400 meters and it is a mental yeah. test, you know, every 400 meters. Yeah, absolutely. I, I heard you dropped your pacer actually at, at GUCR this year. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. well it was two, but <laughs> two pacers. <laughs> they're buddies as well remember mate they're buddies on gcr so uh, yeah other oh, buddies sorry not pacers yeah, yeah. yeah i mean they um they were brilliant both of them but i mean that last 17 mile stretch as you know is you know it i, I know you know it well i know it well and it's kind of like home and the, the buddies of that are brilliant but if you're feeling it you just go for it so yeah, yeah. that it was it was it, it was nice kind of inside to know that not broken the paces, but they're feeling it. But after 120 miles, you're still feeling like, yeah, we can do eight, nine minute mile in here and it feels comfortable. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, superb. I mean, I just, if it's all right, I want to circle back to uh, something that you touched on earlier about your, about you getting into running. So you mentioned about the sort of mental, mental health side of things. Mm -hmm. It's obviously a huge topic at the moment, uh, yeah. kind of in a, in a, in a sort of society kind of perspective. Are you able to sort of talk us through a bit more about like what what you were going through back then, and um, and then yeah. how you feel like you've dealt with dealt with stuff? And yeah, sure. Um, I mean, me, I never had felt well, experienced grief before in my life. I suppose my brother and me were very close. He was only twenty two. He was very sporty. My younger brother, so I kind of felt. <laughs> sounds weird really a bit responsible that I wasn't there on his birthday when he had that seizure and there was a lot of blame right. and that word blame comes out a lot and um it, you blame everyone you blame yourself you blame your family you blame God you blame whoever you can but when you I came to the realization it took me a few years and it, I was I was starting to run and I realized this that it's no one's fault when that, that kind of thing happens that you know horrible event it, it's just sadly a something that happens and that you have to accept it and you have to use that. And I use that intrinsically every single day in my life. I, don't, I know it might sound a bit corny to better myself because if he's not here, then I want to do something good. And I know there'll be people who have experienced grief who are listening to this 
And I think that's what should come out of grief is good. And whether that be making new friends or doing a sport or spending time with Daz and Bone, you know, it's, you know, it is something good. And when I started running, I was like, I feel good, you know, and I met people who are good. And I was very lucky to meet people who believed in me, you know, and I'd never had that. Obviously, my parents are very supportive people, lovely, but they don't get this running thing. They'll listen to this and they'll be shaking their head about, well, what's this? What's that? But they don't get it. And the running community do because they go through things in the experience. And that's what running is for me. It is a cathartic experience. Every run is a chance to learn, develop and better yourself, you know, because I'm not perfect. No one is. And for me, it's about getting to know what I can do, what I can't do, you know, to kind of put it in a nutshell. And through that, it's really helped me in terms of my mental health. I mean, depression's a weird thing. And I didn't even realise at the time I was depressed. I just thought, I'm just masking it with, I'm going out happy chappy, going out having a party on a Friday. But when a mate of mine just said, you're just not yourself anymore, mate. You just, this isn't who you are. It made me go, okay, something needs to change. And I think running has made me get control of myself in terms of who I am and who I want to be. And, you know, I've, you know, sum it up. I've met my wife through running. I've made some of my greatest friends through running. You know, some of my best life experiences, even getting lost in Sparta, you know, that sort of thing, you know, their life experiences. Oh, <laughs> mate, I still, I still beat myself up for that one. Well, I blame yeah. Pete Abrahams. Blame, blame Pete Abrahams. <laughs> That's what I do every day. But it is, it is an experiential thing. And, you know, I'm very holistic and I, I believe everything happens for a reason, even the bad things, you know. So you've got to use the bad and turn it into something good. You know, and I know he'll be looking down, my brother, thinking, what an idiot, you know, doing these stupid things. <laughs> but also be very proud. So, you know, long may we run. That's all I say. Yeah, Love that, Alex. Awesome. Alex, what uh, you, your brother's name? Uh, my brother's name was Oliver. Oliver. So, uh, yeah, got his, ta- got his tattoo right here. And this, um, you won't be able to see it, um, podcasters, but this arm is all dedicated to him. So when things get tough in the race, I just look to this, really. And that kind of, that helps a little bit. Absolutely love that, Alex. Alex, interestingly, sort of following on from the sort of all the positive elements, just what you just shared, I had a really great chat with someone. It's funny you mentioned about your mum and dad. I mean, uh, the sport of ultra running is, is exploding, isn't it? And mm. I'm sure you, Alex, like myself and dads, you'll get an email sent to you as if like, someone's just seen the Barclay Marathon's Netflix thing and they're like, I've just seen this. It's like the <laughs> four thousandth time you've been sent it. Or and, yeah. and so the interesting thing is that obviously in the UK side of running, we've just had the sensation of our friends, Matty Blackburn, yeah. John Stocker, creating a world record in backyard ultra format. And I was having a chat with a sort of non-runner <laughs> and you know, they were sort of trying to get into the psychological side of things and sort of, you know, what type of person could do that, you know, and, and you know, what person could, you know, could, asking me that question, could I do it? And, and you, you're, you know, you were the first person I thought of, Alex. I think Alex could have a real good stab at that. I thought, you, Alex Ferrisy versus John Stocker. And, you know, so am I right? You know, could you, when you look at that, are you someone that thinks... Yeah, maybe on my day I could do, you know, 80 plus hours or does the uh, the format scare, scare you rigid? I don't know if it scares me. I think that, you know, John just, <laughs> I mean, he did GUCR the same weekend I did. And then he went and did that the weekend after. I mean, the, the guy is mentally one of the strongest runners I've yeah. ever met. And I mean, I know he's spoken on a couple of podcasts recently about the difficulties that he's had with, you know, his um, business and things over COVID and how he used a lot of that and how he was doing it for children and his kids and to make them proud. And I, I think fair, absolutely fair play. And it was, I I actually, this is true. I, when I heard they did that, both him and Matty, I shed a tear. I it was literally at work and I shared it with the kids, period five, and said, this is one of the greatest things that has happened in running because you don't realise how hard this must be for them. Um the, the short answer at the moment is no, it doesn't appeal to me at all. Um, the, the, the reason being that I've kind of got a bucket list of races I want to do. And 
for me, I, I just, you know, that old Ricky Barbie in that um, film, Tiger, Tiger Day and the Nights, I just want to go fast. I think for me, I just want to go longer. And I think I look at things like the Thames Ring 250, the Bigfoot 200, those races in America. And, you know, obviously my schedule as a teacher is very difficult. So thanks for being flexible tonight, lads, as well. So for me, I, that's what I want to do. I want to go, I want to go longer and I want to see what we can do longer. Yeah. And uh, yeah, because GUCR 145, KSCR 145, they're, they're, they're hard distances, don't get me wrong. And I, it it takes me a few days to recover. But all I think as soon as I finish is I want to do more. Where, where do we go next? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I think in the future, definitely that. And I want to go back to Sparta next year and do the correct route. So yeah, that would uh, that that would be uh, that would be uh, start because I'm I'm sick of Paul Rawlinson, if you're listening, giving me uh, banter online about going uh, wrong and getting losing my navigational prowess. So uh, I've got to go back and do it for Rawley, really. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys see that? Um, uh, I think I'm right in saying because I heard it anecdotally that someone's put up a seventy thousand pounds bounty for the person that beats our dear friend Dan Lawson's joggle record. Seen this? And I saw um, on Twitter well. that Camille, Camille Heron, has said that she's seriously considering it. I put that to you, Alex. How about something like the joggle? How, you, you think you could do a sub 10 day joggle? I probably need a few more years of experience and a, a very, very big crew, but it, it's something I've thought about. It's actually something um, Wendy was considering doing before she got pregnant with Byron as well. So yeah, it's, I, I'm open to anything, you know, I've said no to the backyard ultras at the moment, but you know, I'm, I'm life's like a Rubik's cube. You're never going to solve it. And you know, one day to the next, I could do Crawley on Saturday and it goes awfully and you're like, you know what, I'll do a backyard now, but I just like the unknown. And I think I like going from one race to the next, going, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. But yeah, an FKT at some point would be brilliant. Um, the $70,000 bounty, it sounds like, you know, a wrestler taking out a hit on another wrestler or something <laughs> like that. So it's like Stone Cold taking out a hit on The Rock. But yeah, um, I mean, fair play to Camille if she wants, is she going to take on the mail time issue? Is that what? Yeah. I mean, wow. That's, that's, that's the deal, yeah. It's Woo! amazing, isn't it? Well, no, fair play. I mean, sure. We we saw her at Albi, didn't we, boys? You know, just didn't. What was her time? Was she fifth overall in the field in Albi? It's astonishing, I mean, think, wasn't it? Really, I think she was fourth. Yeah, either fourth or fifth. And I think I think she ran two. It was like two seven one or something, wasn't it? Or two yeah. six eight. But but that was with like three hours off the track, right? Or two yeah. hours off the track. So, I mean, I mean, it's unbelievable, isn't it? I mean, and your friend Alexander, who I. Did the amazing hundred as well. I mean, he. I mean, he'd do brilliantly at that joggle. I mean, that that would be right up his street. I can imagine. But no FKTs. Um, yeah, all the way. I, I I live very near to the Ridgeway, so that out and back that Mister Damo Carr did appeals. <laughs> so yeah. So we've had um, having a bit of banter at the moment about this weekend. So uh, yeah, we'll uh, try uh, that at one point. Damo did double Ridgeway, did he? Was that like one one six eight or something? Something like that. Yeah, I saw it on um, because I was looking at FKTs the other day and I noticed I'm sure his name was on the out and back one. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah, I think it was. Yeah, because we can't get them. Um, David's got all the other FKTs, so no one's ever going to get them. Uh, the great thing would be more FKTs where you got. So, you know, recently when you had Damien Hall and John Kelly mm -hmm. and they happened to do Pennine Way a week apart, didn't they? Yeah. But I think, I mean, I'd love to think that there was a, an idea at one point that the two would have been starting at either end. Oh. The FK. So, I mean, maybe we could pitch you and Damo Ridgeway the Revenge. Well, I'll ask, him, I'll ask him on Saturday. I'll ask him. I'll see what he says. But no, D Damo is, yeah, no, is a lovely guy as well. So, I mean, it really is like when you're on a track with that ilk of runner as well, like Damo, Ian Hammett, who finished sixth in Sparta in 2019, Beachy. I think there's Rolando Espina, who's a very good runner, going out there as well. But anyone who takes on a 24-track race, you know, just crazy. I've just watched a video of Andy Pearson, who finished second in the Thames Ring 250. 
spoken yeah. to a woman at the start and he asked her if she would do it and he goes no you ultra runners are just freaking crazy and <laughs> you know i think you i think you have to be a little bit crazy to do this though but good crazy you know because when you finish you can like eat what you want and uh, drink what you want so one thing we haven't mentioned so far is team gb my friends clearly or well, we, we believe that you're capable to wear that vest my friend is is crawley the one is Crawley going to be a big marker to put your name in the hat for for future times or a, or a stepping stone where where do you view it Alex well the body feels all right five weeks post GUCR so we're, we're, we're gonna go for it yeah and we'll, we'll we'll see what happens and if I break I break but it's not going to be hopefully physically <laughs> so we'll um I mean we'll, we'll take it on and I I that has never been really the long-term goal I think living with a a GB athlete has been quite humbling in a lot of ways because I've seen when yeah. Wendy do so many 24-hour races and do them so well. Yeah. And, and she'll admit that she isn't the quickest runner in the world, but she's mentally the strongest. So what yeah. I suppose we've been trying to do for the last few years is put her head on my shoulders a little bit. And uh, well, that's what we're going to try and do on Saturday, I think, is keep that there. Um, I apologise in advance that my son is coming down on Saturday as well. So he may be screaming for a few hours. So, uh, Darren, if you've got any, you want to take on childcare responsibilities, buddy, you're more than welcome. Mate, just just give them to me. Absolutely no problem. Been there, been there, seen it, done it. Got the T-shirt, my friends. You, you haven't seen the nappies he's producing, Daz. So, yeah. I, 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 will, I will refuse a nappy change. You'll, you'll, you'll have to come <laughs> off track. And uh... <laughs> We'll see, we'll see. But no, it, uh... it should be a good day. And it, even if it doesn't go as well as it wants to, sorry, as well as I want it to, that's okay because we'll just rebuild. That's absolutely fine. So we'll use it. it as, as you said, David, it could be a stepping stone. It could be the day. But yeah. the day will, I th- I, I'm a big believer the day will come. So it's, it, it's when it comes, I think. And that's just the process. And we'll just keep working. You're still fairly young for uh, the sort of achievements that you've made in, in Ultra Run, I think, aren't you? How, how old are you, Alex? Uh, 36. Yeah. Yeah, you, you've still got a lot of a lot of prime prime time years ahead of you for for 24-hour running, so that's uh, that's very exciting. Yeah, fantastic. So we'll let you go shortly, mate, but, but, but before we do, can't resist the biggest question of the night. Uh, <laughs> what's happening with Paul Alley's retirement? Oh... <laughs> So for those listeners who don't know who Paul Alley is, uh, everybody knows everybody, everybody, you need to go on his blog. Um, (laughs) Paul Alley is kind of my perennial training partner. I know Martin uh, Johnson spoke about Andrew Smith. Um, I remember my first run with Paul Alley, which was just before he did Sparta in 2015 and just being fascinated with his like 1500 mile weeks in a row and things like that. Paul has been a real mentor to me in terms of when I DNF GUCR in 2017, he was the first person on the banter and he spent two years just bullying me. And it was, it was literally paramount to being bullied by your granddad, literally like every day he'd send me a picture of his medal and, oh, and for my wedding present, uh, me and Wendy's wedding present, we didn't get anything nice off him. We got a picture of the GUCR medal framed so that I didn't get so, yeah, so that sort of thing. But actually, that sort of thing, and I've said th- thank you to him recently, really motivated me was because it was yeah. what I wanted. I wanted that medal. And, uh, yeah, Paul is a fantastic ambassador for the sport. And, yeah, he's retired about 23 times. So if he is listening, and I know he will be listening, Paul, we know you're DNF to GUCR. We still love you. The score's 8-1. You're beating GUCR 8-1. And... His retirement will come in the year 2049, I believe. He won't step away, boys. He won't. He won't. He loves it too much. Yeah. Get back in the game, Mr. Ali. Oh, we we all need you there. I've got a private collection of photos of Paul Ali when he died. I think he was clinically dead on the, <laughs> on the mountain base in the, in the Zorba year, wasn't he, Daz? Oh. Oh, yeah, he was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Bounce back ability, the Ian Dowie method. <laughs> bounce back ability. Yeah, but Paul will keep going, and I think he's a great ambassador for the sport. And I, I do hope he's te- he's telling me he's never going back to Sparta. I do hope he gets that one more ballot to have one more round, a bit like that boxer in the twelfth round. You know, 
just comes out and slugs it one more time because he, you know, he's done a lot for me personally. It'd be really good to see. Mate, hundred percent. We'll be if Ali's there, we'll be there. Whether it's just crewing or bit driving the uh, the vomit wagon, we'll be there for Ali. <laughs> That'd be good. I'm sure Pinners will come along for it as well. Uh, good stuff, Alex. Good. Best of luck on Saturday, mate. I'll see you there. Yes. Nice and steady, steady as she goes. Just, just remind me, and um, you know, if I start singing, just tell me to stop. I've got to save my energy. So yeah. Oh no, you got to do a bit of singing. Uh, is is Pete Pete Windross can't be running, is he? No, he's not. He's he's been too busy winning races. I think he's having a rest. But no, no YMCA or Spice Girls on Saturday. I don't think. Is Pat Pam showing the uh, football on the big well, screen? I look, I look forward to hearing your dulcet tones. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know if Pam is showing the game on the big screen. I've already had my crew ask this. I thought they were going to drop out. So, uh, yeah, well, Dylan will be going back to the hotel, I think. So we're, we'll, uh, yeah, hopefully get some action. But no, I think we'll, even with that in the background, it's just about concentrating on staying on the track, isn't it, boys? Got to be done. Yeah, exactly. Stay out there no matter what, my friends. Yeah. No matter what. All right. Nice one, mate.